So here's what God's given me. I'm going to give you, I was going to give you a, a full illustrated sermon today, message, because I feel so many times that's the best way to really just, you know, exemplify what the Holy Spirit's saying, what God's doing, and what He wants to do. But what I'm going to do instead is give you part one, and then the next time I'm going to give you part two, and I'll have about three people up here, part of that illustration, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be exciting. <clears throat> You know, we live in a time that we've been through a difficult season. Some are still in a difficult season, and I know that, and I'm aware of that. But what God put in my spirit is it's time to move from the hard place to the high place. I said it's time to move from the hard place to the high place. Now, a lot of people don't understand what the hard place is because they've never experienced it, but if you're like me, I've experienced more than one hard place in my life. Maybe it's in your hard place in your family with your kids. Maybe it's the hard place of addiction or divorce. Maybe it's a hard place of disease or loss of a loved one or broken relationships. Whatever that hard place is in your life and those hard places, that's what promotes you to the high places. Say, I, say, I am promoted to the high places. Now, I'll get into this in a minute, but Psalm 65, 11, what I was talking about, it says, you will crown. Who? The Lord, you will crown. You will finish the year. Everybody say, finish the year with an abundant harvest. Ooh, that's, that's what the Word says. Anybody want to receive that Word? This you will crown. In other words, this, this you have approved. This is finished. This is done. You have framed it this way. This you will crown. You will finish the year, now look at this. He didn't say he would crown. He said who he was talking to, his children. He said, this year you will crown. Say, I will crown. That means you are going to bring it to pass through the power of Holy Spirit living in you, able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So we'll say, I guess, I will crown. I will finish the year with a bountiful harvest. And then the next verse 12 says, and even the hard pathways woo, will overflow with abundance. In other words, and from the hard place to the high place. So wherever you're at, maybe you're battling discouragement. Maybe you came through some tough stuff. Maybe you're just thankful to God you've moved beyond your hard place. But, but never downplay your hard place because there's a lot of amazing things that God can bring out of it. Now, now, when we look at this, I'm going to go to a story that's really, uh, you know, popular, and most of you probably heard it, read it. But in Genesis chapter 27, the story of Jacob, Jacob and Esau. And as we look at that story, Isaac was what? The firstborn what? Of God, his promise, uh, of Abraham, his promised child. And then Abraham, I mean, then now Isaac is old in years to the point that he's blind, and he's barely hanging on. And tradition is that when you pass away, or before they pass away, they, he goes on and blesses who's ever going to be the head of the family, and everyone else becomes the servants. It doesn't matter if there's 10 brothers and sisters and nephews, nieces, grandkids. They all serve this one, and this one basically becomes the patriarch of the family called the blessed one. Now, what's interesting about this story, as Jacob is the main character, obviously, and Jacob is the twin brother of Esau. Esau was is described here as a, a, a very 
hairy, red, hairy man. In other words, he had, he was, had red hair, but his body was almost like a camel's back. It was like a fur, even his chest, his arms. It was a very, very hairy man. And Esau, he was a hunter. He was, he was, he was really uh, Isaac's favorite. And Jacob, he was kind of a mama's boy. You know, any of y'all been a mama's boy or a mama's girl? You know what I mean? You got everybody else in trouble, your siblings in trouble, you got your teachers in trouble, your coaches, your preachers, you got everybody in trouble because you were mama's boy or girl. You were that favorite one because mama has a way to move daddy. Does anybody, can anybody say amen to that? So what's interesting about Jacob is that when they were born, it says that he grabbed hold of Esau. He grabbed hold of him coming out of the womb. Why? Because he didn't want Esau to be the firstborn. Even at that point, God put something in this infant twin brother to grab hold, and he hung on, but it didn't work because Esau came out first. Now, the very firstborn son is the one that the father is supposed to bless, and he becomes the one over everything that the father has. His household is inherited. So, so we see here what's interesting, if you get later on up in a few chapters, you begin to realize how important it is that Jacob was one that held on. Because remember, he wrestled with God at Bethel, right? He wrestled with God. He wrestled with angel, the angel of the Lord. And the Bible says he held on. He wouldn't let go until the angel blessed him. So whatever, he, whatever Jacob's been going through in his life, even though his name means supplanter or deceiver, because later he had a different name, right? And, and so his name meant uh, supplanter or deceiver, and he was a manipulative guy, and he was kind of mentored to be that way by his mama. And what happened is, he, uh, as, as he was um, holding on, we see now that becomes also a strength to him that he would constantly hold on, whether he was wrestling an angel, whether he was, you know, wrestling with his, you know, dealing with his, father, his father-in-law Laban when he tried to kind of, you know, manipulate him about his wife's, his family, his inheritance. But he was just a guy that would hold on. Now, what happens in this story is that as it gets time for him to pass, for, uh, for uh, Isaac to pass away, what happens is the mom, Rebecca, right, she comes up with a, a scheme, a conspiracy, and says he heard, she overheard uh, Isaac say to Esau that, you know, go out and get me some venison, and once you eat it, I'm going to bless you, and then I'm finished. So Esau is excited. He goes out because he was the hunter in the family, and he was going to get this great game. Mama heard it. She told Jacob, let's go to Walmart. Let's get you a bunch of fur. Let's get you a bunch of wool that feels like a man's hair, and we're going to glue it on you with some crazy glue. We're going to come back and make your daddy believe you're your brother. I know that's a little, wasn't exactly that way, but they did put stuff on him, and they did make him feel hairy. And he fixed the favorite food that his dad, like he got, they got him some venison somewhere, fixed it. He goes in, and, and he's sitting there with his dad, and, and he talked to him. He said, well, is it time to bless me now? And he said, well, I'm blessing Esau. You don't sound like Esau. And then he said, come near me. And when he came near him, because they rubbed the venison on him and everything, he said, oh, you smell like venison. Yes, you, oh, your hair, oh, yes, you are my son. And he began to bless Jacob. And Jacob stole the birthright of his elder brother Esau. And when Esau finds this out, he's going to kill him as soon as he can. But he had to wait till his father passes. In the meantime, his mother, Rebekah, sends him off to relatives and her brother-in-law, her brother, Laban, in another area. And, and he began to raise up there and establish his family and all that. 
Now, what's interesting, as we begin to look at this, even whenever he was coming out in Genesis 28, he had been so faithful to Laban, and Laban deceived him. He wanted Rebecca, I mean, he wanted his wife, and, and, and was it Rachel? Yeah, he wanted Rachel, and huh? Yeah, I'm tired, okay? I've been, I slept three hours, maybe, two hours. But I'm going to get this out to you, because i got to set this whole thing up. So, so he was deceived. He said, said, so if you'll serve me seven years, take care of my sheep, my cattle, and all that, he did, I'll give you Rachel. That's who he wanted, right? And so he wanted Rachel, but he lied to him. He didn't give him Rachel. He gave him Leah, her sister, who obviously wasn't as attractive, and he wasn't as in love with her. And he slept with her. It was dark in the tent. They didn't have electricity in those days. And the next day he sees, wow, this is not my girl. <laughs> this is her sister. <laughs> and he said, I've been duped. So Laban said, you got to work seven more years. So he worked seven more years, grew the business and the family business out the roof like 20-fold. It was crazy. And then finally gives him Rebecca. But then he was going to deceive him, the father-in-law Laban, out of everything he had and manipulate him. And the Holy Spirit, God, angel of the Lord, I mean, told him to leave. As he's leaving, Laban comes hunting him down because his, Rebecca, his wife, Rebecca, stole these valuable idols that Laban had that were worth all kinds of money. Plus, he wanted to get them all back, the cattle and all that. And what happened is, it says he's basically running for his life, concerned that his father-in-law bringing his troops is going to kill his wife, his kids, his families, and all of his servants and take what he had. And he began to cry out to God, and God said, you will be okay. You will be fine. Da-da-da. I'm going to bless you. So he did. So they worked it out, but here he is stressed out, right? He's, he, he's, now he's got to go home because the angel told him to go home and he would be well. Well, that's all right, but is Esau dead? <laughs> you know, they didn't have a phone to text or call or email. Is Esau still living? Because if Esau's there, he's going to kill me and take what I have because I deceived him. And so we see now that we come to the place in uh, Genesis 28, and that's where I want to get to with you. And let me read that to you for just a moment. Genesis 28, beginning in verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran, went toward Haran. And when he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set, taking one of the stones of that place and put it under his head. One of the stones, put it under his head and lay down on it to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder, right? There was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder. Really, it talks about that being the very first portal that God, he created one portal, but it didn't stay open when he kicked Satan out of heaven <laughs> and he's a third of the angels, right? But other than that, the portal to go back and forth, the portal to, to receive God's blessing and transfer things and angels could come and go, we see that that happened really right here in this place and that portal is where Heaven was touching earth for the very first time, and earth was touching heaven for the very first time. And so we see that the ladder was set up on the earth, and the top of it reached heaven. And behold, the angels were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, where he was laying, there on a rock, I will give you to your, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and they shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall the families of the earth be blessed. Man, that's a pretty big burden, right? 
Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the, this is none other than Bethel or the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. That's the reason I named this place Bethel, the house of God. And it's where the gate of heaven, where God's power and his spirit, his angels flow freely to and fro. Now, verse 18, it says, So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone, right? He took the stone, he put it under his head, and he, he, he took the stone that he had under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on it. Now, that represents, olive oil represents what? The anointing. So what did he do? He anointed his hard place. Yeah. Uh, we can get to that next time. That's later. Uh, so anyway, he anointed, he poured, he poured oil on the top of it, and he called the name of that place what? Bethel, or house of God. So we see that whenever he began to get into this place, basically, and this is actually, oh, I, I, I kind of got it out of control there because this is not really when he was coming back. This is when he was going to and I'll get when he's coming back next week. So this is where, this was before the whole Laban thing. This is when he was going to uh, Laban and all that good stuff. Okay, so anyway, it doesn't really matter because it's all good. Everybody say it's all good. So what I want to talk to you about here, first of all, is the hard place will provoke glorious dreams. The hard place will provoke glorious dreams. And we see that what did Jacob do? He slept. He put his head on a stone, on a rock, which represents a hard place. It represents a place of connection between God and man and heaven and earth. Why? Because this is a place where the ladder was. And he was laying, he was in his hard place, but he was still focused toward God. And God reveals to him a ladder going from the earth to the heaven. And this represents what? Connection with God. This represents connection with his spirit, his power, his gifts, his salvation. But what I want you to realize is we're going to get into that more the next time. We'll hit it some today. But what I want you to get today is this. Before you get your glorious dream, you're going to face a hard place. Before you step into the glorious dream that God has for your life, whether it's a natural dream about family, provision, or it's about vision, ministry, calling, whatever it is, whatever that glorious dream, what's glorious mean? It comes to the word glory, doxa, and it means God made visible, God present, God seen. So what I want you to realize is before that dream that you have in your heart as a son or daughter of God, that's going to make God seen, that's going to make God visible, that's going to bring God's presence wherever you are, before you experience that, you're going to have to face a hard place or maybe some hard places. And as we look at this, let me explain it a little more. Um, what did he do on that hard place? What did he do on that rock? Yeah. So did it indicate in the Scripture that he was whining, cussing, complaining, moaning, groaning? No. 
What did he do? In his hard place, he laid there and he slept. See, if you want a promotion to your ladder, to the glorious dream that God has for your life, to your vision, to your destiny, not someone else's, the one God created you for, put you on this planet for, what happens is you got to get to the place that even in your hard place, you can rest in God. Even in your hard place, you can sleep. Even in your hard place, you can praise. Even in your hard place, you can live in joy. Even in your hard place, you know you got victory. Even in your hard place, you know you're the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Even in the hard place, you know no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Does anybody believe that this morning? <laughs> but I want you to realize, as we look at this, it really goes as, as a, something throughout the entire Bible. When we see this, this hard season, we see it from Genesis to Revelation. It's like a continual meta-narrative. What is it? There's a desert before the promised land. There's a drought before the rain. And there's a cross before an empty tomb. In other words, no pain, no gain. In other words, when you're in your hard place, if you could conjure up, and I know it's not easy, but if you want your breakthrough, if you could just bring up in you the revelation of God and his love for you and his power for you and the salvation you have experienced, whatever that is, if you could just conjure that up, get it up in your spirit, that's going to accelerate your breakthrough. That's going to accelerate the download of God from heaven to earth to you. Does anybody believe that this morning? So whenever we look at this and we think about it, when you're in the hard place, and if you can, and then especially when you come through the hard place, how do you do it? You do, you do it through your praise. You do it through prayer, right? You do it through worship. You do it through holiness. All these things. You do it through faith, love, and hope. You do it through all these things. And when it's measured, it's kind of like measured with your praise. Some people can't really follow me because you've not been through a really hard place. You, you thought that migraine was a hard place. You thought failing an exam was a hard place. You thought getting laid off was a super hard place. And maybe there's pain with that and stuff. But I'm telling you, there's other hard places that make those look tiny and small. And I want you to realize that when you go through your hard place, that you got to realize that it, the, the hard place that you're going through, ever how big it is, is measuring the size of your upcoming blessing. Ever how big that hard place is, ever how big that hard spot is, ever how big that place that's uncomfortable, that you don't feel you can stay there or sustain yourself there, just begin to focus on what God said and to count it that this is your year of abundant living. Does anybody believe that this morning? So in other words, you can measure the size of your upcoming blessing, what? By the magnitude of your current tribulation. Your current tribulation will tell on itself of how great your blessing is that God has for you and for your family and those attached to you. Now, now let me remind you, you're not defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. Let me say that again. That's good. You're not defined by the hell you're currently going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. Does anybody believe that this morning? So the hard place does not define you. The hard place defines who you really are. 
You think you are something right now. You may be a Jacob. You may be a supplanter. You may be deceptive. But I'm telling you that later on, you're going to be what? Israel is going to be your name. You're going to change from Jacob to Israel. In other words, that means joyous, right? Happy. You're going to be turned and transformed into joy. You're going to be turned and transformed into the anointing and the legacy and the inheritance of God. So what I want you to realize, Psalm, well, listen to this. So here's what God promises when you're in the hard place. 6511, I'm going to read it to you again, says, you will crown, you will crown. Who? I will crown. The son and daughters of God will crown you. And you will finish the year with a bountiful harvest. I mean, man, if you start thinking like that, what's the devil going to do with you? He's going to go, through, he's tired of wasting his energy on you. And even the hard way, even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance. In other words, when you're in that hard place, begin to focus on the promise that God made over you so that you can achieve and rise to the high place that God called you to. Because he didn't call you to be broke, sick, tired, weak, addicted, and all that. No, he called you to be the king, to, to operate in his image and likeness, a king of kings. He's the king of all kings. But we're created in the image and likeness of God is what Genesis says, right? Genesis 1, that he created both them, them both male and female, that we'll be in dominion, that we'll be in his image or likeness, and we will be in dominion, what? Over the fish, the sea, the fowl, the air, and everything that creeps on the earth. And then he said, go forth and subdue. God created sons and daughters to subdue. He created you not to just get over or get by. He created you to take over. That's what he created you to do. You hear me say it. I'm tired of hearing pastors say, I'm the head and not the tail. Well, then start living it, and I'll stop saying it. I'm tired of hearing pastors say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the, Lord, than he who is in the world. Well, get the world out of you, and you'll get the revelation. Oh, if I hear Hebrews 11, 1 again, I bet you can't even quote it. Oh. Now faith, what, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What kind of teacher would let people just hang out and know a little bit about something and stay in their hard place? My goal is to shake you, to stir you, to provoke you, to love you, to kick you. Whatever I got to do to get you to make a decision, to step, to rise up out of your high, out of your low place and begin on the ladder of faithfulness and servitude and peace and joy and holiness. That's where I want you to be so you can be at the top, the pinnacle of your walk in God because lives depend on it. So this promise what? It's, this promise says that even before your year is over, you're going to be crowned. You're going to crown yourself. What? With God, with his anointing, with his power, with his word, with his promise. And he didn't say he's just going to get a harvest and get a little breakthrough. No, he said you're going to get a bountiful harvest, an overflowing, overcoming harvest. <laughs> so when we look at this, when he's going to crown the year, and then you will finish the year, that year of overflow with abundance like never before. Doesn't that sound like freedom like never before? Before your year is over, wherever your pain is, there will be praise. Before your year is over, wherever there's sorrow, there will be joy. Wherever your year, before your year is over, wherever there's mourning, 
there will be dancing. You can receive it as a word from God, or you can just look at me. That's up to you. But I'm telling you, that's why God let me get about three hours of sleep yesterday. Mm-hmm. So what does the hard place do? The hard place does what? It provokes glorious dreams. Let's talk about this for a minute. So what did he do when he was sleeping there on that rock? He had the dream, right, of the ladder touching earth and heaven and angels going to and fro and God at the top. I'll give you a scripture later. It shows you that Jesus is the ladder. And he was bringing the angels to and fro from the earth. You see, until you have the promise and get a revelation that Jesus is your ladder, it begins with faith, right? Because you can't be saved without faith. Amen. Saved what? By faith through grace. Jesus is what? Grace. We say you're saved by faith, you know, through grace in Jesus. You are. But really you're saying Jesus, Jesus, because Jesus is grace. He is the free gift of God. <laughs> and, and as you begin to look at that, what happens? So, so you got to have faith. you got to have hope. you got to have love. You gotta have servitude. You gotta have forgiveness. Uh, I don't want to get into next one then. So he had a dream here in his hard place. What happened? I want you to realize children of God should dream. Children of God should dream. We should get an opinion other than CNN, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox News, any news, any kind of news, wannabe news, tries to be news. They're not news, they're tattletales, and they make it up anyway. I'm not saying don't watch it for 15 minutes, get a good idea, and just shut it off, because you don't want a lot of that in your spirit. At least I don't. But your dreams are important. What are dreams? Your spiritual dreams with God are what? Dreams are drivers, and your God... What your God-given dreams serves as your destiny's GPS system. You operate by dream, and then it drives you, and from that dream, the passion comes, the fortitude comes, the want to, the study, the work, whatever it takes to pay the price, it, it becomes that. It becomes a GPS to get you in the destiny God assigned to you in your life. You know, when I, when I first got saved and, I mean, I didn't know I was called to preach. You know, in our little church, you'd stand up and testify. People testify, sometimes two or three, sometimes eight or nine. And a lot of the testifying was just telling about how good the devil was. You know, oh, Lord, I'm here this morning, children, but my back isn't. Oh, Lord, my legs aren't. I can hardly stand, but I just want to glorify God. Well, who did you glorify? Now, they did it instantly, right? I just want you to know. My God, I got drunk this weekend. I swallowed my tobacco and I threw up for two days. But Jesus loves me. Well, who did you just glorify? So, so when I first got saved, you know, we had altar calls. We have altar calls here. That's why I always have altar calls. And I didn't know until God started dealing with me about eight months, nine months into this deal that being saved, I'd been doing a lot, started a business. I, I was doing a lot of things, started this Christian network for sports, a lot of people getting saved in the community. But he called me to preach. Now, I stand up and get my little testimony, and all the little mamas said, now, honey, you know you're called to preach. Uh, yeah, thank you. But I didn't want to be that preacher living out in a little block building, you know, near the church somewhere. To me, it meant 
poverty. I can do a whole lot more of my business. I can do a whole lot more for God than that. I'll just serve my, I love my pastor. I don't need the pastor. Then I became a youth, then I, then I received the call to preach. And when I received the call to preach, and there was a whole struggle for about nine months into that, that, that I had to kind of renew my mind about what I believed. I had to renew my mind about the promises of God. And all of a sudden, man, I just started getting dreams and visions of pastoring someday. Then I had dreams and visions of, of being an evangelist. And I had mom, we drive, we, had, we, owned a couple, we owned a restaurant, and really we owned two restaurants at that time. I did, and she ran them, and we, uh, we, I had multiple businesses in the co-industry and stuff. So I was doing pretty good, but I was burning because I was helping do the youth and I would preach once a month. I'd do it, but I was burning the pastor. And so I was just really searching, well, should I plant a church here? Let's go down. There was an old abandoned carpet metal store out in nowhere. And I'm like, look, man, this is great. Mom, look at this. We, I could buy this. We can, I could do this. And she looked at me and said, son, why would you want to have a church? There's nobody here. And if they were, they wouldn't come to this. God's got more than that for you. Then I say, okay, later I take, Mom, what about over here in this city or this county? I, son, just, just wait on God. What was it? It wasn't my destiny yet, but the promise provoked me, became my GPS. To I kept pursuing. I kept pushing. I kept seeking. I had setbacks. I had hard places along the road. I had tough stuff happen to me along the road. But there was that GPS system in there from a dream, God, that I would be a spiritual leader and a pastor someday, and I just couldn't get rid of it. And when I was 28 years old, God called me to leave business and go to Columbus to serve Pastor Rod and go to college, and the rest is history. But I want you to realize it doesn't matter who you are. You've got to tap into your GPS system. Yes. Yes. Uh, let me help you. You know, I don't even think you have to do it no more because, you know, the new cars. But if, you know, your car is five years or older, you got to update that GPS system. You got to get a download to update. There's a lot of people in this room and they're sounding my voice. You need to update your GPS system because if you don't have passion for the dream and if it's a dream that seems impossible and if it's not a dream that seems impossible, if it's not a dream that people surrounding you turn their backs on you, if it's not a dream that whenever they see you, you how do you know it's God's dream? Whenever you tell it with somebody, they think you're crazy and you lost your mind. You know how you know it's God's dream? When you tell somebody in a group of people and they don't hang out with you anymore. You know, and you know it's a dream when people laugh at you and think it's a joke. But I got good gospel news to you. You're tracking on a different GPS system. Your destiny is not tied to them. What does that do? That, that just separates what? The wheat from the tares. And God is just, you've been surrounded. You've got to watch who you surround yourself with. If someone can't celebrate your dream, no matter how out there it is, then you don't need to hang out with them. Well, I just think, it's not your dream, but shouldn't you? No, it's my GPS. It's my destiny. Now, it doesn't mean you're silly if you're not under spiritual authority. You're silly if you're not teaching, being taught, and being trained. You're silly if you don't have spiritual leaders in your life. Number one, if you belong to a church, your pastor should help you with big decisions in your life, like marriage, like, you know, moving to another city or church or like uh, 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 starting a ministry, being in ministry, receiving a call. That's what your pastors and elders are for, right? Because that's just dumb. When you get with people that's going to agree with you because they like you, they don't have the knowledge or discernment, or maybe they do, they don't have the courage to tell you. Do it right. 
Because where, however you enter the next place is determined how you leave the last place. And Stephanie and I have lived by that, and God has blessed us every step. I never left the little Nazarene church until my pastor blessed me to leave. I never left the church I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in until Pastor Curry blessed me to leave. I never left Pastor Rod until he blessed me to leave to come here, and this is just where we've been for 22 years, and, and, and I think we're blessed. So, yeah. So if you want to walk in the glorious dream that God has for you, don't sell out. Sell out for your feelings. Sure, you coulda, shoulda, woulda someday. You're just full of should. Get it out. Get the should out. Or you're full of could. I could, I could, I could. You sound like me when I first got called and I'd only been saved two years. Could what? What, what could you do? What, what, what could you do? What is in you right now to deposit in someone else? Until you get, well, well, pastor, here, it's not my responsibility to grow you. It's your responsibility to seek growth. Right? We got groups and leadership groups, and I've had Bible school here multiple times, but, you know, 1% of you would show up. But the ones that showed up, you're here praising God, starting businesses, ministering. And anyway, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just cranky and tired. I don't know. Or I may be prophetic. I may be pathetic. I may be prophetic. I don't know. So, so we see. Jacob has a dream on the rock, and it's the hardest place he's ever been in, right? And what happens? The only thing getting you up is going to be the dream. And if you don't have a dream yet, just, just get in agreement with Acts 2.17, which is quoting the prophet Joel, says, in the last days. Anybody believe you're in the last days? In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will what? Pour out my spirit, who? All flesh. Anybody got flesh? You qualify. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The problem is people don't receive it. We call it conviction to be saved. That's really the Holy Spirit being poured out and you trying to get you to invite him in. I've never felt the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt guilty or bad or something or like fearful that you should give your life to Christ? That's God pouring out his spirit on you. And then once you give his life, your life to him, he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. He, and then he, you're filled and overflowing with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God, the anointing of God is in you, for your, in, you for your sake, in you for your sake, but on you for the sake of others. And then that's when you can begin to multiply out and do a great glorious dream. Does anybody believe that this morning? It says, pour it out on all flesh, Spirit on, and what? Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men, not prophesy, prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men what shall dream dreams you're never too old to dream if i'm dreaming and i'm 60 i'm 70 i'm 80 what's god doing he's resetting my gps system for my destiny he's resetting my gps system for my destiny he's stirring me He's challenging me. He's calling me to a higher calling. He's calling me to whatever is next, whatever I got to do, or ever how deep I got to go, or ever how much I have to be all into something. What is that? God, when he begins to give me dreams, man, it's not something you just throw away. You write it down, you hang on to it, whatever you got to do, because that's going to be the passion and the motivation to bring up your GPS system to, to cause you to drive after that dream, drive after that dream, drive after that through the destiny God created you to have 
and God created you to be. Is anybody a dreamer in here? So God's people, what, are always dreaming. And as we realize that, we're always dreaming. I told you what, how you know you're dreaming, right? You know your dream, what? If your dream's so big, what? You share it with other people, and they question your sanity. They think you're crazy, right? So if your dream doesn't provoke what? The people around you to say, wow, then it's probably not God's dream for you. So just saying. Next, but the moment the dream comes out of your mouth, and it's so ginormous that that's why you have to be careful who you share your dreams with. Don't, don't be like Joseph. You, you may not even be able to share it with your own family right now. You just got to let it sit. You got to let God bring the right people around you so that you can share your dream with. That's why you can come to your spiritual leaders and share your dream, whatever it is. Never be ashamed of your dream, you know. You know, as a kid, when I wanted to do something so bad, I think it's a 50-50 situation. Mom's going to let me do it. I wasn't going to just present it to her. I thought I'd be like Jacob and manipulate and make it good, make it whatever, and sweet talk and smooth and use my sales gift, right? And I got it a lot, but sometimes I didn't. But what? She probably would have let me do it anyway, but I felt like I was in control, right? And what I want you to realize, you're not in control. When you're saved or born again, you are dead in Christ. Dead in Christ, the hope of his glory. What? The hope of his manifested presence. You are the hope of his manifested presence. You are his, his voice. You are his hands and feet. You are his wealth in the earth. You are his cattle in the earth on a thousand hills. You are his resources right here and now. And if you don't open up and dream, and if you don't open up that GPS system to get you to your destiny and fulfill that destiny for God, then, then that's a void area that God can't use. That's why he pours out his spirit on all flesh, who thought Dalton would get saved? Who thought Dalton would be alive till he was 21 to get saved? And my goodness, whoever thought Dalton would be married and not divorced, whoever thought Dalton would be no longer addicted, whoever thought Dalton would be a preacher, whoever thought Dalton would get his master's of divinity, whoever thought Dalton would preach the gospel in about eight different continents and plant churches on three different continents, Whoever thought Dalton would serve some of the greatest ministers that's ever been on this planet, Dr. Lester Sumrall and R.W. Shambach and even Pastor Rod, all the things that's been poured in and all the big people you've seen on TVN, I've been with most of them privately. Dwight Thompson, it doesn't matter. T.D. Jakes, I was with him for a week, served him. I've been with all of them. But that's where my GPS took me. See, 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 see you get messed up on your dreaming because... You try to write your GPS, and you end up nowhere or somewhere you wish was nowhere. You don't write the GPS. God does. The Holy Spirit does. So, so, so the reason I got to allow myself to dream, the reason I got to allow that passion to stir up, the reason I got to trust God and I got to hang on to his promise is what? And so he reveals his GPS system and then poof, hit play and I can just follow it. Honey, you're not leading God. He's leading you. Well, he's supposed to. Not necessarily, I guess. Yes, Holy Spirit, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm about to wrap up here. Just setting you up for the next one. Let's see. Hmm. Ooh, that's good. 
Ooh, that's good too. So there are people that used to be around you that are no longer with you. And the reason it's so uncomfortable for you is not that they were the right person that left you. It's uncomfortable for you because you depended on them so long. Wow. Who you depended on. You, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, the little prom girl that g- couldn't get a date for prom. She's not going to call the prom queen. She's going to pro- call another little girl who probably didn't get a date for prom. The little boy didn't make the team. He's not going to call the captain of the team. He's going to probably call his buddies that didn't make the team like him. And so what we got to do is surround ourselves with people that are doing more, that are seeking more, that have more passion, that are running, that have love, and they're doing the destiny. They're doing the dream. And we got to attach ourselves to them. And, and if some of them leave, so be it. You just love them and go on. You see them at Walmart, do what I do. I just hug and kiss them. I may have done that to you. You might have came and left three or four times. It don't, I'm fine. Because if God needs you to be somewhere else, God bless you. I pray over you. I'm fine. Because I don't depend on you. And I don't depend on anyone that was here, will be here, could be here, might be here someday. I depend on God. I depend on the Holy Spirit. That is my strength. That is my source. And guess what? I'm no different than you because God is no respecter of persons. And that's what the same way it is for you and you and you and you. So let me speak just a moment prophetically to our nation. And it's, you know, it's stated explicitly what that this is one of the hardest hours for America, that season we're in this last year plus and even now. And I I agree with that. And, And a big part of that is that Christianity has taken the biggest hit that it's taken since this nation has been born. And, 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 and it's, and the enemy is trying to push back the sons and daughters of God. How's he doing it? With, with moral rele, uh, relativism and cultural de- decadence and spiritual apathy. He's trying to get us into that ecclesiastical lukewarmness because he wants, they want God to spew you out of his mouth. And there's an attack on our Judeo, Judeo-Christian values, right? And the gates of hell have opened up to silence every son and daughter that it can. You, you, you got to be careful if you even say Jesus at Kroger or Walmart. Or if you say Christmas instead of holiday, come on, people, this is silly. Now, now I'm not out criticizing these people because it's dust under my feet. They're not my God. They're not my source. I don't need them for my strength. I'm here to win them. I'm here to love them. I'm here to lead them. I'm here to bring a transfer of power into their life called salvation. I'm not here to let, you know, what's going on in the news or what's going on with this group or that group determine my spirituality. Determine my love, determine my passion, determine my forgiveness, determine my meekness. I'm not doing that. But I stand strong on my values because I know who I am because I know whose I am. So the gates of hell's what? Opened up every visage it can against the Christian belief. And, and, and what happens is this, this, this visage that's coming against Christianity is the ideal of truth with love runs what? This runs counter with the world moral relativism. In other words, God operates through love. He said, what? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That runs counter to what the world is saying. Divide, get you back, get you, get you, do this, do that. And and the world, we see it in our nation, we see it in our cities, our neighborhoods. And I'm not saying that there's not reasons that there shouldn't be, you know, people, you know, we we need to stand together with brothers and sisters and we need to do what's right and do the best we can with this nation and bring healing. But in the meantime, you know, you don't get to pick sides. 
you know, the donkey is not your God. And the elephant shouldn't be your God, and the elephant shouldn't be your God. Right? Jehovah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Jehovah Ropha, your healer. Right? Jehovah Nisi, your banner. Your soon coming king. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And every name of his name will bow its knee to that name. That, that's who you bow your knee to. I mean, look how blessed, you know, Abednego and those guys was. Meshach and Abednego, they didn't bow their knees. They got thrown in the fire. They liked the king. The king treated them with special favors. But when they had to choose somebody giving me special favors and giving me popularity and all that, they chose, they chose God. Hmm. Well, I'd get saved, preacher, but, you know, at work, I'd be an outcast. Well, everybody else is running around. If I don't run around, then they'll, you know, I know I like love God, but if I don't run around like they do, I won't fit in. Like a, like a sixth grader. Some of you grown men are like sixth grade children. Now, let me help you. Some of you grown women are like sixth grade children. Some of the stuff, as a pastor, you see, and it breaks your heart here, and it's like, why wouldn't you let me help you or somebody help you instead of blowing your family up, blowing your life up? Oh, it's all, say it's all right, pastor. Well, that's four of you. I guess everybody else, I don't know, I don't know who'll be here next week, but good thing I'm not dependent on you. Okay. I love you. You see, somebody can love you when they don't have to have what you have. Heavy meddling preacher, right? So, this is the hardest hour, isn't it, for Christian faith? But it's also, what does it mean? The hardest hour for this nation, provoking the glorious dreams, but what else is it doing? It's, it's sizing up how great the promise that God has for us is. As evil and as dark as it is, accelerates and catapults and gives us a measurement of the greatness and the power of a great revival that's either in the earth or coming to this earth because of what this nation is going through. And what we got to realize is we got to tap into God and love and forgive all people. And what we got to do, guys, is forget about what you're hearing with all the news outlets and stuff, right? Because why? Because we're not a political ideology. This nation is not a political ideology. It was founded on God, right? Now, we can argue about has it operated that way? Probably not. It hasn't in so many areas. It still does in so many areas, but other areas it does. does. But that doesn't matter. It's still founded on God. There's no other nation founded on God. You think Satan's not trying to tear that down? Right? We're not an economic system. It's not, you know, what's the dollar worth right now? It's not what we own or don't own, what we make or don't make. All that stuff's significant, I guess, but that's not what the nation's founded on. It's not founded on, it's not a sports franchise. It's not a social media platform. It's not a website. What? It's the church of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the church is not a building. The church is sons and daughters. The church is you and me and you guys out there. The church is his sons and daughters. What? And it says we, say I, have the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatsoever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever I loose on earth is loose on heaven. Say, say I bring heaven to earth. 
because heaven lives in me. I pray. I believe. I prophesy. And I live out. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you believe that, stand up and give God a shout. Well, it's getting late. Just stand. Next, next message I give you, I'm going to give you part two of this. And I'm going to do a full, fully illustrated sermon. When Jesus is your ladder, you can bring heaven down. See, he's got to get you to move from the hard place to the high place. But that can't happen until Jesus becomes your ladder. But when Jesus becomes your ladder, you become a portal for God and you bring heaven down to wherever you are at that moment. People will know God is alive just being around you. They will feel his presence. They will know his truth because you are in their circle or you are in their presence. It's time to live the promise, man. It's time to live the dream. Let me say this and we'll pray. I want, I want to say this again and I want you to, I want you to pray this with me. You pray this with me. <clears throat> let's, let's pray this scripture again, Psalm 65, 11. I want you, to, want you to raise your right hand. Say this with me, you that are willing. This is the promise of God will overflow with abundance. Now raise both hands. Say in Jesus' name, I say that the promise is mine before the year is over. Now just stand on one foot and shake a foot. Say this with me. See how balanced you are? Say this. I will crown the year. And you will finish the year that your overflow with abundance will be forever. If you believe that, give God a big shout, somebody. Man, you just need to get that scripture in your heart. Uh, Psalm 65, 11. You need to get it in your heart, man. You just need to speak it. Before the year is over, what? You. Me. You are going to crown it with amazing supernatural abundance. Hallelujah. Say this. Say, Jesus is my ladder. And with him, I bring heaven to earth. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're in here right now. You're in a hard place. And, and, and it, I tell you, a hard place is miserable, man. I, I've been in a hard place not for a month. I've been in it for three, four years. And you've heard my story about depression and stuff. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was hard. <laughs> and I knew it was a place I didn't want to be. But even preaching the gospel at that time for 20 years, I didn't know how to get out of it. Till I got a revelation, a fresh re update of my GPS system about the ladder of Jesus. And when I started reworking the ladder of Jesus and taking the steps, see, 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 a lot, look at me a second. A lot of people, you know, get saved. You got to get saved, what, through faith and all this. And, you know, you got a foundation of peace and, and man, you got service, servitude, and you got all this unforgiveness and all that. So you got all these holiness and morality. 
got all these things to get you up to the top of the ladder. We're going to talk about those things. But here's what a lot of people do. They think they're so gifted, and they get a Holy Ghost goosebump, and they get so excited. You know, they're saved. Woo! First step, right? Right here. And, and what they do, they flip that ladder around, just like I did. In other words, they try to control God. And they think they're going to have a shortcut because, look, there's less steps on this side, on most ladders. But what does this little thing say? Do not climb back section. Because it's not strong enough to support you. Do not climb the back section. Do not try to go through the back door with God. Go through the front door repenting, praising, loving, serving, and giving. Don't allow the enemy to beat you up, push you down. If you're in your hard place, maybe, maybe you're a child of God, God, you've been disappointed, discouraged, you're far away from God. You don't even know if you're saved, or maybe you're barely saved. Whatever that is, you say, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Or maybe you've never served the Lord, never given your life to Jesus. He's never been your ladder. Today, we're going to help you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, and you'll become a new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things will pass away, and what? All things will become new. You're going to get, your, you're going to get a new GPS system to track down your destiny. You know, I, I, I can't get where I need to go till I know where I'm at. I can have a great GPS system, but if I can't locate where I'm at on the GPS system, no matter how great it is, I can never get right. I could be in California trying to get to Florida, but instead I'm going to North Dakota. I'm in North Dakota thinking I'm in California. So you may not even know where you are, but God knows. You online, same altar call. I want everybody to bow your heads. You say, man, I, I want to give my life. I want to rededicate my life to God. Or I want to give my life to him for the first time. If that's you, on the count of three, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands in the back, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Who else? You want to just get it right with God. Two bravest people here in the sanctuary. Anybody else? You online, just type yes. And we want to pray with you as well. Anybody else here? Just in three seconds, we're going to pray. Three, two, one. Those two. Did I miss anybody else back there? Anybody else? What do we think? What do we think for those people who want to come back to God? Come on. Thank you. Praise God. Woo. How many of you want to update your spiritual GPS system this morning? Just raise your hand and wave. I want to update that system, man. I want to, I want a fresh promise or I want a a, a new passion for the promise God gave. Bet you just raise your hand. I just want to see who it is. Shh. Let's pray first for the two lovely people. Raise their hand and anyone online. Pray this prayer with them, everyone. Let's all pray this prayer. You all in the back, pray it. They're, they're giving your life to Christ. Pray it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe Jesus rode from the, rose from the dead. And I believe, Lord, that as I believe in my heart, He rose from the dead. And confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, I shall be saved. So I believe it and I confess, Jesus is Lord. I am born again in Jesus' name. I'm saved in Jesus' name. I am blood-bought in Jesus' name. Satan, take notice. I'm no longer your property. 
I'm no longer under your influence. You're no longer on top of my head. You're under the bottom of my feet. And you're an ugly dog. And you need to read the Bible. At the end, it tells you lost. Give God a shout if you believe that this morning. I just really feel by the time I give you the second part, I believe there's going to be breakthrough today. I believe you're going to be mulling this over, get into these scriptures. But you that just, man, you just say, man, I want my GPS system updated. I want my destiny clear. I want the promises of God. If I got to have more dreams, whatever I got to have, God, I want it so I can be clear for you. If that's you, just put both hands in the air. I want to pray for you. You at home, do the same thing. Stand up, put the nachos down or the bacon and eggs. Ooh, bacon and eggs sounds good, but put them down anyway. I might come over and finish them off with you. I want you to say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the price you paid giving your son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to pay for our sins, failures, and mistakes as we repent of all of them so that we can have clarity to feel your presence, to hear your word like never before, to step into freedom in living, loving, serving, giving, receiving like never, ever before. Lord, download your promise. I read it today. I said it out loud today. But let it become a revelation today that I know it's true and I walk it out. I speak it and I live it because I am your child. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. You believe that? Come on, give God a big shout of praise. I sure do love you. 